This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. MVP race is heating up in the NFL. There's just three weeks to go, and I I feel like there's still a lot of people that could win it. I I don't think this is a a closed Mm -hmm. case by any stretch of the imagination. You know, maybe at some time, in some seasons, you get to this point, you get to the the three um, three week mark left to go, and you kind of have an idea of who's going to win it already. I really don't, but I will say this: this does feel like for the first time in a long time. If they're going to buck the trend of it just being a quarterback award, this is the year to do it. Uh, I think you've got two pretty strong candidates outside of the quarterback mm-hmm. position in Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill. Where if you were going to give the MVP to somebody not under center for the first time since like 2008 or whenever Adrian Peterson won the MVP, I mean, this has got to be the year, right? I mean, you have some actual options here. Now, I guess you had Cooper Cup a couple years ago. He wins the Triple Crown as a wide receiver, you could have said that's a legitimate chance. But I just feel like, you know, there are quarterbacks that are playing well. None of them have completely separated themselves. And McCaffrey and Hill are having historic-type seasons. So, you know, and McCaffrey, what McCaffrey's doing to the running back position, I mean, he's the only running back that has over 1,000 yards rushing this year. He's at, like, 1,200 already. So, like, he he has been outstanding at a position that is kind of becoming a bit of a dinosaur, but he, he's out, he's – literally a lifeblood from that spot for the Niners. And then Tyreek Hill, I know he was injured last week, and that kind of take uh, took the wind out of his sails on maybe breaking the record. But, I mean, he, he has just had a year. Um, really, when you saw what he did in Kansas City, you'd think he'd never be able to peak it, but he's having the best year of his career this year. So I think there are two real, real options outside of quarterbacks for the first time in a while. Yeah, I'm with you. I I, I would love to see, you know, I've been saying this all year. I'd love to see a non-quarterback at it. Hell, Tom, at the start of the season when T.J. Watt was on a tear, on an absolute tear, we were saying, is it possible a defensive player could win it this year? Just because even at that point, we weren't 100% convinced that a quarterback was willing or was deserving of it. And I'm with you, too, that from a couple years ago when the Rams won the Super Bowl, when uh, Cooper Cup won his triple crown, he 100% deserved to win it. And, of course, the guy who won it ahead of him, I would be happy to see him with one less MVP, and that would be Aaron Rodgers. I think it was just because of his age and the rest of the team around him, he was clearly the most valuable player for that franchise. Uh, but this, looking at this year, I'd be, I'd have no issue with it going to Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey. However, we were on, or the whole country was on watch to see if Tyreek Hill could eclipse that 2,000-yard mark for the season. He had a really bad game this past week against the Titans. Or, I'm sorry, he, he missed this past week. And then last week, he had a really bad week against the Titans. So he's really slowed down. Uh, when you consider he's only had 60 yards over the last two weeks. He's now, I think, just under 500 yards that he needs to get to that 2,000-yard mark. I'm not saying it's impossible. I think it's very possible given Tyreek's capabilities, but that would mean he would have to average over 165 yards per game in each of these last three games. Don't know if he gets it at that point. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, on the other hand, Tom, I'm trying to remember, and I don't know, exactly the day I, I have no idea to be honest with you when was the last time that we were approaching week 16 and only one guy had run the ball for over a thousand yards 
Yeah, it's crazy. And, and he's so well over 100 yards. Or yeah, yards. He's, 300, you, he's like 300 yards over. You know, if you look at the rushing leaders in the NFL this year, you know, there's a lot of names that you would be surprised by. McCaffrey's got 1,292 yards. The second leading rusher in the NFL this season is James Cook out of Buffalo. The Bills actually have a running back for a change. I, how crazy is that, that they finally have a running back they can use? They finally have a running back. Yeah, and I think that's actually why they're on in such a, a big surge right now down the stretch is because of the, the revelation of James Cook. But it, it goes McCaffrey, then it goes James Cook, then it goes Raheem Mostert, who's like 32 years old. Then it goes mm-hmm. Kieran Williams, who nobody knew about at the beginning of the season. DeAndre Swift is good. Derrick Henry's the king. He is 884. He's sixth. David Montgomery's in seventh. Pollard's in eighth. ATN's in ninth. And Rashad White rounds out the top ten. So, I mean, you got your names like McCaffrey and Henry and I guess DeAndre Swift and Tony Pollard still in there. But, you know, a lot of unknowns and a lot of older backs that are, are really effective this season. It's a weird year yeah, for definitely. running backs. It's, it's a weird year. Like you mentioned, James, uh, Buffalo running back being in there. Uh, Raheem Oster, who's over 30, third in the league. Kyron Williams, who is a rookie that nobody knew of coming in this year. DeAndre Swift replacing Miles Sanders, obviously, is a good fit there. David Montgomery is a weird name just because you would have figured Jameer Gibbs would yeah. be the name out of Detroit. And then Rashad White. I mean, I don't think anyone predicted the Bucks to be relevant at all, for, let alone for a running back to be in the top 10 in running, let alone for the team to be currently leading their division above 500. Huh? How about that? We don't talk about that enough right now, where we haven't talked about that enough this week so far. The NFC South finally has a division leader who's over 500. Tom, they have two teams who are, I guess, at 500 right now. The Saints yeah. and the Bucks are at, at 500. But, yeah, your point's absolutely valid, and that's why I brought it up. I can't remember a running back season this weird except for the guy number one who is well on pace at having a normal lead running back season and is absolutely killing it, not just in the run game, but we know how involved he gets in the passing game as well. I think – I think Kyle Shanahan was asked about it after the Cardinals. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, the Cardinals game of which the Niners just beat up on them. Uh, I think he was asked about the MVP race, and he said, "I am not at all getting involved in this conversation. I will have no say. I will never let you know who I think deserves to win it between Purdy and McCaffrey." I, Tom, I, I was at one point all the way in on McCaffrey being the MVP because it was the Browns game, the first game the the, the Niners lost where McCaffrey went down. And it was the first game the Niners lost all year. And I said, look, you see, you see Purdy's out there, but who is he without McCaffrey? Clearly not the best quarterback we've seen. But now all of a sudden, Tom, I might be leaning toward back in the middle. I might be 50-50 here with Brock Purdy, just because it's remarkable. And if, if Brock Purdy was a guy who was maybe a third or fourth round draft pick, I, I still think that we'd be living McCaffrey. I think the the nomenclature of Mr. Irrelevant really adds to this kid's story. I think if he was, I think if he, if he was just another middle-round draft pick, I think we'd be very impressed with what he's doing. But the fact that this guy was Mr. Irrelevant is such a great part of his story. I, I feel like the writing's on the wall, Tom. This team is locked and loaded after having that shakeup in the middle of the season. I think they're going to – I don't know if they'll win out because they have a tough game against the Ravens. Granted, it's in San Francisco this weekend. 
But the last two games of the season, the commanders, he can throw. I mean, that is a stat pad of a game if you've ever needed one. Not that they do need one, but if Brock Purdy wants to make his case for MVP, that kid can throw for 350 yards and five touchdowns against that commander's defense. And then you have the Rams at home. I think Brock Purdy has a legitimate case. I think because he's Mr. Irrelevant, because he's a quarterback, I think he has, it's crazy to say, I think he has the best chance of winning MVP this year. Well, the odds certainly agree with you. Um, not looking at any particular sport book, but a website here that just kind of takes all of the famous sports books into account and kind of just gives them an aggregate. Uh, Brock Purdy is the overwhelming favorite. He's the only one in minus uh, money. He's like minus 200 in almost sports books to win uh, MVP. And then he's followed by Lamar Jackson, who's then followed by Dak Prescott. And then Christian McCaffrey's in fourth. Then you've got Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes, five, six, seven, and then in eighth place, the last person listed on this website I'm looking at is Tyreek Hill. Uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, does not deserve MVP at all this year. No, um, but he will. He will be. He will be in that conversation. I don't think he'll be a finalist, but he will be in that conversation just because of his name alone. Jalen Hurts has really slipped in the past couple of weeks, as well yeah. as the Eagles on a three-game losing streak. So, you know. I just feel like he's kind of lost the plot. That like when they when he beat Mahomes, I kind of thought he was in the front of this, mm-hmm. and then they've went on that losing streak ever since. So I feel like he's taken a lot of air out of his tires. And and Dak, I think, was gonna win it until last week against Buffalo until because he was exposed, and the Cowboys overall were exposed. Just an absurdly bad performance in Buffalo by Dak Prescott. So I think that kind of eliminated him from it. Um, you know, Purdy is really head and shoulder. Like, if you're going to be quarterback award and we're going to just assume it's going to a quarterback, he is kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, I think Lamar definitely deserves to be in that conversation. And I'll give a dark horse. You know, if they run the table, which it looks like they might, Josh Allen leads the league in touchdowns, total touchdowns. Now he has like 15 interceptions. He's 15 turnovers or something like that. But he leads the league in total touchdowns, and if he pushes the Bills to eleven and six, you know, goes on a a tear of a of a five game winning streak to end the season to get into the playoffs. I'm not saying that that should usurp Brock Purdy, but I think it would make the voting pretty close, or at least it should make the voting pretty close. So, like, I'll keep an eye on Josh Allen to rise up the ranks as he continues to rally the Bills. Yeah, I like that one. I know you're a big. Bills, riding the Bills to the playoffs kind of guy, and they can easily run the table, especially if they go into Miami, Tom, and the division is still up for grabs in that last in that last week in Week 18, and they win that game on the road. Yeah, he'll have a great shot. He might even be a finalist. Yeah, so Josh Allen for sure has a legitimate shot. I'll give you one name, though, Tom, that I think kind of fell off. What happened to Tua? I mean, we were talking about... Yeah, he wasn't even we, in that we, odds blast. Right. I mean, just just now we were talking about is it going to be Purdy or McCaffrey. Earlier this year, a lot of people were saying is it going to be Tua or Tariq. And Tariq's the guy who's still in the conversation. I don't really understand why Tua has fallen off. Maybe because of how we were talking about uh, certain guys who have fallen off like Jalen Hurts because of their record down the stretch. They're no longer in that conversation. Maybe people were looking at Tua saying Miami can't really beat the big team. Can't really go out there and beat a competitive team. And they lost to, t- to Tennessee two weeks ago. Now they're losing to bad teams as well. 
I, I guess clearly that's that was a factor in, in, in Tua's shot of going down, but he leads the league in passing yards. I know you mentioned that Josh Allen leads the league in touchdown passes, but Tua's first in passing yards and tied, let me see, tied for fifth in touchdown passes. So I don't understand why his name is completely falling off in this right, conversation. The, num- the numbers are there for Tua. Is the signature moment maybe lacking for Tua, though? Yeah, that, that kind of exactly, goes into what, what you're saying about the record against good teams. You know, when they mm-hmm. get into weighty games, when the country's watching them, he doesn't necessarily show out as much as he should. And maybe that's kind of holding him back a little bit where, you know, the country just watched Josh Allen go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs and then just take a sledgehammer to the Cowboys face. Uh, The country knows what Lamar Jackson can do. He's had amazing moments throughout the year. I think Purdy's had like two games where he's had at least four touchdown passes this season. So like there's and he went into the link and just torched the Eagles, had four touchdown Mm -hmm. passes in that game. So. Like torch, we, torch the, torch the uh, Cowboys. Yeah, so like everybody, all these guys kind of have these big moments, these big wins, and I don't think two has authored that yet. Now, beat the Cowboys handedly, beat the Ravens handedly on the road next two games, and then beat the Bills for the division, go bang, bang, bang. Maybe Tua just rockets right back into that conversation. But the numbers are there. The eye test passes for sure. Just think, you know, he doesn't win those big games, those big moments that everybody nationally kind of recognizes. No, he clearly doesn't. And that could also be Dak Prescott. I mean, you just mentioned his undoing because the only time we've seen him step up for that big, excuse me, that big signature win has been against the Eagles a couple weeks ago. But every other team the Cowboys have faced, it's not only been a, a loss. I mean, like we mentioned earlier, they got blown out uh, by San Francisco earlier this year. I just. I think that could be a huge detriment to Dak Prescott's game or chances of winning MVP despite him having one of his best seasons, especially when you compare it to last year and the Cowboys, or I'm sorry, Dak Prescott's individual ability to minimize turnovers. We saw the turnover numbers this year compared to last year. They were, they are completely different. I mean, Dak Prescott led the league in not only pick six, I think he was number one, if not top five in interceptions thrown last year. Now he, is in single digits uh, through, what, 15 games played, 14 games played. So having a much better season, but he's he only has that one signature win. And it was against the team now, the Eagles, who maybe seem – I don't want to say they're in a complete free fall, right? I don't want to say that you should discount the Eagles for the rest of the season and it's the playoffs, but that was their one win. And then the very next week, what do they do? They go on the road in Buffalo and they get completely – Mauled. They lose 31 to 10. You go back to, like I said earlier in the season, uh, the Niners, they lose that game 42 to 10. I don't see a signature win on this on this season except for one win, and that's against the division rival. I don't think you can really say, like, that was a Deck Prescott Dallas Cowboys signature win just because for the NFC East, all those teams can beat up on each other no matter what the season is, no matter what the week is. And we know, too, the Eagles have now gone, what is it, six straight seasons without winning Big D? So maybe it was inevitable. Maybe despite the Eagles' hot start, they were always bound to lose in Dallas this season. And I just don't I, – I don't think – you know. I think people are really eager to kind of say, okay, a Cowboy is no longer in the conversation for MVP. So I don't think that Dak had it, especially after losing this week. Now, he does have, like you mentioned – uh, on the road against the Dolphins and then at home against the Lions. If he really wants to turn things around, he can do so in these two games, but he's got to win these two, and I just don't know 
like I like we mentioned earlier, the poser bowl for the season really is this week uh, for the Cowboys and the Dolphins. We'll see which team is is actually real that can actually finally beat a team in or above their weight class. And the Cowboys get a big brick, I think, when they get the Lions in Dallas. I think if that game was in Detroit, it'd still be close. But obviously now with that game in Dallas, a lot of people will be favoring the Cowboys in that game. So I just don't know if you can really say that Dak would have the signature win for his season except for that Eagles win, unless something dramatic happens in either of those contests between the Dolphins and the Lions. But, of course, I have no problem with saying that the Cowboys aren't going to have an MVP candidate for the season. That's that's – no, that's no tough pill for me to swallow. What about defensive player of the year before we wrap uh, up this episode? I, I still think it's a three-horse race between Parsons, Garrett, and Watt. Uh, the website I'm using to kind of aggregate odds has Parsons as kind of a heavy favorite right now, and I I don't really understand why he'd be such a heavy favorite. Um, he's 12 and a half sacks. He's got 14 tackles for loss. He has no interceptions this year. He's no touchdowns. He has one forced fumble and one fumble recovery. I mean, he's good for sure. Don't get me wrong. He impacts the game in more than just the box score. Um, but I don't know why he would be such an overwhelming favorite odds wise to be the only one that's not plus money. Uh, when you look at, you know, the big three of Garrett, Watt and, and Par- Parsons. Um, I think Watt honestly is having the best year of all three. I just worry that the Steelers team success might hold him back from winning the award. Yeah, that's definitely possible. But wouldn't you think that should give him a reason to be above Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett? I mean, right now, looking at a ton in sacks and tackles for loss and forced fumbles and fumble recoveries, TJ Watt leaves Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett in all of those, except for Miles Garrett has TJ Watt beat in four forced fumbles between, uh, or compared to rather, TJ Watt's three forced fumbles. So I don't really understand why. Micah Parsons is head and shoulders right now in terms of odds above TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, if, I agree. I if, think if, he's if in third place. Edge guy, if we're a linebacker versus edge guy, TJ Watt is leading these three guys in basically every single statistical category. Yeah, I mean, and um, people might say that I'm not being unbiased, but in my unbiased opinion, if you're just awarding the best defensive player of the year in football with the team success kind of taken out of it, which is impossible to do, but let's say you do that. It goes Watt, Garrett, and Parsons to me. Um, I, oh, yeah. I think that's no, a clear for sure. order. For sure. What Mike I think is going to happen, what I season. think sh- what, team success has always weighed into it, though. What I think I would not be surprised with seeing is Garrett winning. But because if, but if Brown's having this good right, season. Right, and, and he's, I mean, he's a stud. And he's having a better season than Parsons, too, I would think. If they give it to Parsons, he definitely is. No, let's, let's like say I this. Let's say this. We love. We get riled up on this show and all across Steelers Nation with the Watt versus Garrett comparison because we feel like Garrett is given his flowers a lot easier than Watt is. You know, people are willing mm-hmm. to give Garrett the nod more than Watt, where Watt leads in almost every category that matters since they were introduced to the league in the same draft class. By the way, um, but uh, that being said. I still think Garrett's a tremendous player, and I still think he's worthy of a Defensive Player of the Year award this year. He's had, you know, we talked about with Tua not having those moments. Garrett's had those big moments on the defensive side of the ball. He's won, right. he's won games um, with plays that he's made uh, for the Browns, and the Browns are 9-5, and five, and, I mean, I know Joe Flacco is kind of the the random face of the franchise right now, but Garrett's the entire the backbone of that entire operation. 
So you know, as much as I you know get riled up with the Garrett versus Watt comparisons, I'd have no problem with Garrett winning the award over Watt this year. I would have a problem with Parsons winning over both of them. I'll tell you why that's not going to happen. It's the same reason why Brian Dable won Coach of the Year over Trevor or over Doug Peterson. <laughs> Cleveland versus Dallas. You, you put well, yeah. I'm just saying you put that star on the head, and I know this is maybe contradicting contradicting what I said just a few minutes ago about Dak Prescott not having it, but. It's different when you're comparing value for a quarterback versus a defensive player. If you're looking strictly at deep point, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they wanted to give to Micah just because of that star on his head, just like Brian Dayball was playing in New York versus Doug Peterson, who was coaching in Jacksonville. It might just come down to that. Now, Tom, here's something that you have to take into consideration. T.J. Watt has 16 sacks, Miles Garrett has 13, and Micah has 12 and a half. I don't think Micah and Miles Garrett have the chance, but T.J. Watt has a shot to get over 20 sacks again for the second time in his career, which would make him. He and, needs four and sacks in three brother, games. That's doable. Right. He it would make him and J.J. Watt not just the only brothers, but the only players in NFL history since stats have been recorded, of course, dating back to what the early 80s, uh, to have multiple seasons with 20 or more sacks. Does 20 sacks get him the deep point? It's going to be hard to ignore that, right? I mean, really hard to ignore that. I mean, the Steelers at worst would be 7-10. and 10. I don't think they're going to be at worst. So they're going to get another win or two down the stretch here um, in their final three games. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, I guess, team success weighs into it a little bit, but I feel like that's more so with the MVP than it is with the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I would just hate to see 20, that. 20 sacks would be really hard to not give him the award, especially becoming the second think, player ever to do shot. that. Right, I think he has a shot, too. The schedule, yeah, it's not super favorable for the Steelers. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, they could lose out the rest of the way. But he's going up against guys who are not necessarily, like, super favorable to taking sacks. But I guarantee you T.J. Watt can beat up on Jake Browning. At some point on Saturday afternoon, I guarantee you, DJ Watt, who's had the best success of his career against Lamar Jackson compared to every other quarterback, can beat up on Lamar Jackson in that season finale. And whether it's Geno Smith or it's um, who was the backup, uh, Drew Locke for Seattle, I guarantee you he can get at least one sack in that game. I don't think it's outlandish at all to say DJ Watt gets in these last three games at least one sack in all games, and all three, maybe two sacks in a third. And that would put him right at four. That would put him right at twenty. Yeah, it'd be so hard to ignore that uh, a player getting twenty sacks. Um, but they might. They might just ignore it. The Micah Parsons thing, though, that's really a head scratcher to me. I, I see. Don't... It's ironic. It's 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 such a pickle that people in Pittsburgh are in right now because you have your guy who very well deserves to win it even right now. Forget getting to twenty. Like I like we mentioned earlier, he leads Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett in every pass rusher category between those three, except for four fumbles, which is only one behind Miles Garrett. So right now you could say he's deserving of being the front runner, but he's not. And the pickle that people wow, this is quite the alliteration, the pickle that people in Pittsburgh are in is that the two guys you have going up against TJ Watt are a guy from Cleveland and a guy from Dallas. You don't want either of them to so that's why you're desperate for T.J. Watt to win because you don't want a Brown or a Cowboy to win it. All right, when we come back, it's Wednesday. It's a power-breaking <laughs> day. Yeah! 
Week 16 power rankings in your face. That's coming up next here on the Steelers Standard.